You are listening to the Phenom World Football Show on the Phenom Media Podcast Network, powered by the most passionate young sports analyst in the game. If you're looking for creative, informative, and high-quality sports content, you've come to the right place. Phenom Media boasts a team of over 100 youth contributors from around the world, covering every sport on every media platform. Make sure to follow Phenom on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as all of the Phenom podcast channels for daily content. The link tree in the episode description includes a direct link to all of the aforementioned platforms, so click on that to access everything. If you enjoy the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a positive review so more people can discover the podcast. Now, let's get to the show. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Phenom World Football Show. I'm Kurt, joined by Ethan here. Um, You know, we were talking pre-pod, and I'm just going to get right into it, but we were talking pre-pod, and, you know, we were discussing kind of what we should talk about. You know, we always do this before we talk about a podcast, and we could talk about you know, the United getting in first place in the Prem, which we'll get to, you know, we could talk about other big scores, but we thought a very interesting and unique conversation we should bring to you guys that we were talking pre-pod and we thought, you know, we'll just, you know, talk about it on the podcast. But, you know, it was announced that Mark McKenzie, who is the former center back for the Philadelphia Union, um, has been, you know, transferred to KRC Genk. It's in Belgium. Um, don't know for any of you casual football, um, you know, listeners, if you're too familiar with the club, but as Ethan was telling me pre-pod, um, a lot of good and noticeable names, especially defenders have kind of gone through that club. Um, so you're hoping that Mark McKenzie will ultimately join them. And we were talking about it and, you know, Mark McKenzie, I was saying to Ethan, I was like, you know, Mark McKenzie, um, it's, it's shame because you don't expect him to be in this at least 2022 World Cup squad because the center backs would probably be John Brooks, Matt Miazga, Chris Richards. You know, you don't really know where he falls on the center back list. And, you know, being at the MLS and with the Philadelphia Union, even though Greg Berhalter praises these MLS players and we've seen them in the past, I think any good manager could recognize that playing in Europe is a lot better than playing in America. Um, but we were talking and we were like, you know, it's great. We've seen players like Zach Steffen go from Columbus to City, um, and he's gone to Europe. We've seen players like Tower Adams go from um, the New York Red Bulls to RB Leipzig, and we've seen Christian Pulisic go from, you know, even though he started off on Borussia Dortmund, he's always been in Europe, and now he's at Chelsea. Uh, and I could go on and on. Weston McKinney from, you know, Schalke to um, Juventus. The list goes on of you know, all these noticeable players in the last couple of years playing at a high level in Europe and playing in Europe. And it's exciting to see from a U.S. men's national team fan, for sure. But we talked about this, and we were saying, you know, it's great that we are seeing these players in Europe. But there has to come a time where if you're getting homegrown, you're growing up in America – why do you have to travel to Europe to play soccer at the highest level? When is it going to come a reality 
when you can just stay in your hometown and you can kind of play in this MLS, which obviously I think it started in 1996 was when the MLS was first started. And it's gone incredibly well, and it's gone humongous over the 25 years that it's been established. I think it's 25 years with my math. Um, but like we've, you know, was saying, will it ever be a club where it's not known as this retirement league? It's not known as just a, you know, I come to the MLS to experience America. Is it ever going to be one of the most dominant leagues in the club? Because look at all the other sports in the world, NFL, NBA, MLB, you come to America to play those sports, baseball, basketball, and football to dominate or compete in these huge and big leagues. Um, but is that ever going to happen to MLS? You know, what are your thoughts on this, Ethan? Do you think the MLS will become, I guess you could say, one of the biggest clubs in the or biggest leagues in the world and surpassing some of the leagues in Europe? Or do you think it's going to be a continued thing where people just continually go to Europe to play soccer? Yeah, I mean, I think this is probably the biggest challenge that soccer in America, football in America has faced in the past five to 10 years. It's, I mean, if you really think about it, like in terms of like football and culture, we're like 50 years behind Europe. Um, and it's, it's just not as ingrained in, in not necessarily our day-to-day life, but when you see, when, when coaches will see a super athletic kid, the thought is like, oh, that kid's going to be a good soccer player when he grows up. These kids are always steer towards football as you said or baseball or basketball and sports like that so with these guys going to europe it's obviously fantastic um and it does a lot like when you see players like you said like uh weston mckenny weston and and christian pulisic and zach stefan guys that are able to succeed uh at a european level uh while having their their soccer upbringing in america it kind of proves to the rest of the world that yeah we certainly can produce talent but i think the problem is that we're not producing it at the rate we should and that talent is kind of quick to jump ship at times i think and go to europe and i mean most of the time when you see a young kid go to a european team it's obviously the best move for them because the u.s just doesn't have the football infrastructure to support their endeavors but i would like to see and i think it's possible to the mls to get to a state within um, the next five years. And I think the MLS, quite frankly, has done a fantastic job of, of trying to get to this point where you see MLS clubs making big money signings. You see players choose to stay in the U.S. Um, for their like the prime years of their career. Um, so I think that's certainly achievable. It's going to take a lot of hard work. Um, but I think uh, the, the, the guys that are kind of upper in, in the MLS understand that, and that's certainly their main focus, and they've, they've proven that. Uh, over these past uh, few years. Yeah. And my whole thing is, you know, I think it was my dad who even told this and I completely agree with him. He was saying how in his generation and, you know, the past generation, there weren't a lot of soccer players whatsoever. That was in America. That's why, you know, there was no MLS established. And like you said, if you go to England and you go to really any country in Europe, it's a big, it's a big thing there as for, you know, America wasn't, but you start to see as future generations come up, I'm playing soccer. You know, there's a bunch of people in Phenom playing soccer or even just a bunch of kids our age are playing soccer. And when we're in that generation that are like, if we're adults that our parents are right now, we're going to be able to tell our kids about 
soccer and kind of, you know, getting into it at an early age as for our parents couldn't do that, you know, great of a job just because they didn't really grow up with the sport. So I think that's kind of where we're going to see this U.S. soccer MLS just start to explode. It's kind of when we grow up and maybe that's in 10 to 20 years, it's going to take a while, but it's going to be fun to see. Um, and definitely if you look at what's happened over the last couple of years, soccer has just grown exponentially here and it's been a lot of fun to watch. And I know we've highlighted the players that have come through America and just show that, you know, like you said, a lot of players or athletic kids at a young age, even though they might start off playing soccer, there's going to be someone getting in their ear saying, Hey, why don't you come to football? Why don't you come to basketball? The money is a lot bigger in those sports than soccer in America. And if you understand where they're coming from, I don't disagree with them whatsoever. Um, and you hope that MLS and soccer can get to that point where it's like these kids want to stick with soccer throughout their whole childhood. So um, to, I guess to um, move on, I think that was a good topic and just, you know, I'm excited to see what the future is. One other thing I want to mention though, is I forgot to mention with the whole thing was Bleacher Report dropped the, you know, I think it was in 2010 like predicting the 2018 or 2022 World Cup. And we were talking about this, but like they were so wrong in like who they have on those, like on their predicted players. And obviously we were talking about it, even though I said Mark McKenzie doesn't look like he's going to have a role in this U.S. men's team. Maybe in a year when he's at this new club, he'll move up his ranks. So the unpredictability of like the U.S. men's team in a, even a year or in Bleacher Report's case, 12 years it's so unavailable to predict so i'm hoping that we have a lot of talent and that we haven't even seen the best of it for years to come but to move on um let's talk like i mentioned the manchester united so manchester united has taken the first place role in the premier league something that's been you know a lot of people didn't expect this to happen we talked about this in the past a lot of people have been criticizing Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in the past um, but right now you've seen how you've seen clips of kind of what a great job he's done with this United team. Um, obviously after the PSG game was kind of when people realized he should be this manager of the team. Um, so what do you take of this United team? Are they legit and are they your favorites right now to win the league? Um, are they legit? Yes. I think that on paper, they were incredibly – like last year, they were obviously a talented team, just not able to pull it together at times. I think they've been a lot more consistent this year, which was something they definitely needed to work on. Um, their defense has been solid. They've been generating a lot of goals. Um, but they are certainly not my favorites to win the league um, by any stretch of the imagination. If we just take a look at the standings, uh, you see Manchester City, although I may be a little biased with this, take it as you will. Um, with the game in hand, they're four points back United, and I believe that game in hand is not against an incredibly challenging opponent, if I remember correctly, as, of course, it won't load. Um, there's certainly a chance, um, but I think that clubs like Liverpool and City will be, will be hot on their tail um, as we reach this halfway point in the season. Yeah, and Liverpool, I think, plays United, I think it might be this Sunday. Um, and it's at Liverpool. So 
I mean, if United really want to prove that they are the team to beat and one of the best teams, because, you know, in the past, they've been in the expression the last couple of seasons, this laughing stock of the Premier League, um, not to a high extent of laughing stock, but you sign all these great players and you really can't get it done. And you aren't like the team you once was um, under Sir Alex Ferguson. But who knows? I like Ole Gunnar Shoshire. Um I think he's done a very good job, gets criticized a lot just because of how big United is as a club. Um, but he's done well, and this United team has a chance to really put their foot in the ground with a win over Liverpool. I'm very excited to see that game for this weekend. But like you said, City, you know, while I wouldn't even say it was a bad year last year, but for City fans, you know, not winning the league is kind of not disapp- <laughs> disappointing for them. Um, you know, we'll see if they can bounce back and really win this league and kind of go back to showing, hey, we're the real, you know, Manchester's blue. You know, we're the real favorites in the Premier League year in and year out. So we're going to see that um, if United can stick in that first place or if City's going to be right behind them with the game in hand. But other than that, the Premier League hasn't really had too much to happen. I know we talked about this, but there hasn't been a whole lot of transfers or at least transfer rumors and news. Uh, do you think that's because of COVID or do you just think that it's just year in year out, it just gets a little bit more like less intriguing? Yeah. I mean, I think that COVID kind of affects like every single aspect of our lives nowadays, you know, whether it's like directly or indirectly. Um, so I think that certainly had, has an, uh, an impact on that clubs. Financial, financial uncertainty is, is pretty common where, you know, you don't know what the future looks like, so you don't know if you want to throw your money at this one dude when your club could be in financial trouble the next year. Um, but, yeah, it's – it's I, I get it, I suppose. I mean, there's some clubs that don't really need to, to spend big and, and improve at this point and maybe look for, for targets in January, but it's been a strangely quiet um, January window. Uh, so far for pretty much every club, not just in, in England, but in, and in Europe in general. Um, it's been very quiet. So we've so got, what, 15, 16 days left in this month. So um, certainly still time for some moves. But even in terms of rumors, um, not much going on. Yeah, I think COVID has to do with it a little bit. But at the same time, I feel like, I don't know if this is just me, but like as – you know, the years go on, like, I just feel like the, like, transfer window gets less and less exciting. I I couldn't really tell you why. I think just clubs have this, like, whole aspect of we're kind of just going to stick with what we got and, you know, evaluate it in, like, the summer transfer window. I think that's a lot more exciting than the January transfer window. But I don't know. I'm no expert, but I do think COVID has a huge say in it. Like you said, teams are losing a lot of money and you can't blame them. I think every business in America or any business in the world is losing money because of COVID. So you can't blame teams for not wanting to go all out and kind of sign these players. But speaking of players, and I guess big money is the right word to say, um, you know, I want to talk about um, Luka Jovic. Sorry, I was trying to think of the name. Obviously, he was signed to Real Madrid, I think it was, I don't know, a year ago, was it? Yeah. Um, A year ago. um, He was sold for around $90 million from Frankfurt to Real Madrid. Uh, Real Madrid obviously wanted to get this true number nine, true striker. And he hasn't, 
exactly panned out for this Real Madrid squad. Um, you know, Frankfurt is doing business, strictly business. Obviously, they sold him for $90 million. A year later, you get him right back on loan. Um, and it, I don't know the exact details of the loan and the price that is, but obviously it comes nothing close to the $90 million that they sold for him. So that is how you do business. And hopefully he can return to what he was at Frankfurt before he got transferred because he was unbelievable for them. And, you know, maybe if he returns, he'll go back to that form. But what do you make of this move? Um, and are you kind of surprised that after a short stint at Real Madrid, he's already kind of gone? Uh, firstly, Frankfurt, absolutely tidy piece of business, really impressive stuff from them. It's, it's not often you see something like that happen. Um, but I'm not surprised that he left. However, I am surprised that he didn't succeed at Real Madrid. Uh, if you look at the stats, uh, two goals last season, 17 appearances, it's just not good enough. Um, it's just really not up to the stand. And I, I do know that he had trouble fitting in. Germany versus Spain in terms of the way that their football is played is very different. But if you look at his 18-19 um, Bundesliga campaign and his Europa League campaign, he scored 17 goals and had five assists in the Bundesliga and then scored 10 goals in 14 matches in the Europa League. So that 18-19 campaign for him was absolutely incredible. His finishing ability was was second to none, really. Um, but just seemed to never really be comfortable at Madrid. And I hope that he can find his stride again, going back to Frankfurt for the second half of this Bundesliga season. And then hopefully um, he comes back to Madrid with a fresh mindset and a chance to, to get some more game time. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think I kind of worded this wrong, so that's kind of on me. But I, he obviously is going to go back to Real Madrid. It's not like he was permanently sold to Frankfurt. Um, so, you know, I think it's a great move because Frankfurt – is in a position where, you know, the Bundesliga is kind of, I know we talked about this open, um, not to say, you know, I don't know exactly off the top of my head what place they're in. Let me look it up right now. Um, Frankfurt is in ninth place. They're 10 games back. So it's not a position where like they'll win the league. I don't think, but at least like striving to get to the top, top or end. Um, of the Bundesliga and having him as your striker and what he did with them before he got transferred is incredible. And then Real Madrid, if he goes back, if he does well, he goes back to Real Madrid and he hopefully impresses there. So it's kind of a win-win situation for both teams. But yeah, like the highlight of this topic is what business by Frankfurt, you know, that's incredible and it's hilarious to see. Um, and then the last thing I kind of want to touch base on uh, was the Montreal impact. Obviously, we can't really show exactly what the rebrand was, but they uh, did this whole rebrand, and I think it looks very cool. Me and Ethan were talking about this pre-pod. I think he wasn't a huge fan of it like I was, but I thought it was very cool. The Club de Foot Montreal logo is very simple, um, and I think it's very cool. Um, Want to hear your quick thoughts on it, though, Ethan, before you know people don't know what we're talking about, but what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, you know, I think that whenever a team goes through a rebrand, there's going to be people that like it and people that don't. I wouldn't say that I dislike it. Actually, the name Club de Foot Montreal, I think it, like, honors the, the French heritage of Montreal. And the badge is neat. Um, it just doesn't really scream soccer club to me. And I said it's like a, like a jacket brand or something like that. It just doesn't really – like tell me that it's a soccer team but like i said it, it's nice it's simple which i really like 
and I really like the name too. So um, hopefully it does well for them and, I don't know, sells them some more jerseys. But I, I like the original badge. Uh, in all honesty, you got their motto across the top and then the, the fleur de lis, which is obviously a big symbol in Quebec. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see what they do with the jerseys because I always – the jerseys are my favorite part of rebrands, but uh, I guess we will see when the MLS season rolls around. Yeah, and no disrespect to Montreal, but they aren't really the best team in the MLS, so maybe this rebrand will hopefully spark some life into them, but we'll see with the MLS season. But that's going to be it for the uh, um, Phenom World Football Show. Thank you guys for listening. As always, me and Ethan here, and until next time, we will talk to you soon.